Amen. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 and verse 28. Luke 19 verse 28. And when Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going on to, up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. And then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they'd seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. If you like a title for the message this morning, is this. Keep the stones quiet. Keep the stones quiet. Now, just get some background if you're not familiar with the story. At the time of Jesus, the, the nation of Israel was under Roman occupation. It was not an easy time. It was an oppressive time. The Romans were quite cruel in many ways. But one thing kept people's hearts and hopes alive with the prophecies that came through Daniel and Micah and Isaiah and others that promised a, a Messiah to come. A deliverer to come. And so people hung on to that. They were looking for that, believing for that. As they under the Roman occupation, they understood the prophecy of Daniel. We haven't time to go into it. But they thought, this could be it. Messiah, the anointed one, the deliverer, could come. And so when they heard of a teacher from Galilee who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who cast out demons, who taught with authority, they thought, wow. Could this be the Messiah? And then when Jesus begins to ride into Jerusalem on the donkey, on this day we call Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, suddenly people began to think, wow, hang on, this is what the prophet Zechariah said. In Zechariah 9, in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. They thought, this is it. There it is. In Zechariah, the Messiah is coming. The deliverer is coming. And they began to shout and cry out, Hosanna, and all the things that we've been singing about already today. And, 
And they lay down there. They had the clothes and there's great celebration. The Messiah is coming. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow. Well, they were right. The Messiah was coming, but they made one big mistake. And that is they'd not read completely the scriptures because Isaiah had also said before he comes as king and deliverer, he's going to come to suffer and to die. Because there's a tyranny that's worse than Rome, and that's the tyranny of sin and death. And we can say praise God today that Jesus came that first time. Not to bring about some political revolution, but he came to die upon a cross, to take my place and your place, to take the punishment of our sin, to die for us, to be buried and on the third day, rise again, conquering death once for all. Praise the Lord. That's why he came the first time. That's why he came the first time. But the people didn't quite see that. They only had limited understanding. But all the same, they were getting excited and they, and they were rejoicing. Of course, one day he will come again. And we believe that soon, even with what we see in Ukraine and Europe and all the different things happening in the world. We know that the time is soon, that the Lord will come not as a baby in a manger, but he'll come as King of kings and Lord of lords. So we should be getting ready for that and excited about that. But the people didn't see that, but they were rejoicing all the same. They were praising. Let's read it again there in in, in verse 37 of Luke chapter 19, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. You know the word rejoice? It means to show forth your joy. I've got to stay by here because David says I'm on um, being filmed and I mustn't jump around. But you know, they, I, I want to jump around right now. They were rejoicing. They were springing for joy. There, you ought to see David up and down like this with the camera at the back now. No. They began to rejoice, spring for joy. And you can see it the way they were waving the palm branches. This wasn't some sort of deep, deep. This was a real expressive joy in the Lord. And they began to praise God. And it says with a loud voice. Listen, it's this loud voice. They weren't ashamed. They, they cried out and praised the Lord. Wow, what an expression of praise on that day. And, and of course, the religious people were there and they said, Jesus, well, they, they said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. We can't have this going on. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Wow. He said, if they don't, if they don't praise me, let me tell you, the stones are going to start praising. Oh, this is an important moment in the history of everything. Oh, the, they, they've got every right to praise me. Hallelujah. You know, things haven't changed too much. Over 2,000 years. You know, there's still those who want to silence our praises. You know, if you think about this, if you go to the Millennium Stadium, or Principality Stadium, we should call it now, Principality Stadium, 
on a Saturday during Six Nations, not in 2022, but in, maybe in 2021. 2022 was not a good year. 2021 was better. Just one score from getting yet another Grand Slam. If you, we're talking about rugby, if you're not sure what I'm talking about. And you can imagine the fans. I've been there in the past, so I wasn't there in 2021. But the fans, as, as Wales just scoring try after try, and as they approach the try line of the opposition, the people jumping up and down. In fact, if you sat down, you don't have a chance to see everything. Everyone jumps up, and everyone's shouting and crying, and everyone's singing Bread of Heaven and all these other songs. And it's, they're, they're, you know, people say they're fans. Everybody accepts that. They say they're fans, and everyone gets excited. Everyone gets excited. If you don't like rugby and if you're into football, then if, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan and you're beating Manchester City today 5 0, you, you'd be jumping around all over the place. Fans. But you come to a Sunday, come to a Sunday and you start to rejoice and praise God and, and wave your arms and get all excited and, and shout with a great shout. And they say, You're a fanatic. They say you're a fanatic. They say you're too happy, clappy. You know, they say religion is a serious business. I can't be serious, but you've got to be serious. I tell you, the Lord is looking for praise. If we don't praise him, he says the stones will praise him. It's time to keep the stones quiet. And appraise him. God is looking for people who rejoice, who praise, who shout out with a loud voice his praises. God is looking for fanatical praises. Are you a fanatical praiser? He answered and said to him, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, if we believe, as you've already said, if we believe that Christ died for us, rose again for us, that our sin can be removed, not in part, but the whole, because He lives, we can live. Because of Him, we can have a relationship with God and call God Abba, Father. If we believe that God has a plan and purpose for our life that blesses us and is good, if we believe that God is prepared for us a home in heaven, then I tell you, that's something to get excited about. That's something to rejoice in. That's something to start to spring for joy, if you've still got springs. Mine are kind of a bit worn there. But, wow, that's what God is looking for. God is looking for. You see, praise is important. It says in Psalm 22, verse 3, quite an amazing passage of Scripture to find this verse in, because the passage that speaks of the cross, you'll be reading it perhaps on Good Friday, it prophesies of the cross. But in the midst of that psalm, in Psalm 22, in verse 3, it says, God inhabits the praises of His people. Or God sits enthroned on the praises of His people, when we begin to praise the Lord, when we begin to really praise the Lord, then God's presence comes. God's presence comes. 
Don't we long for God's presence that comes? Yes, I know in a general sense, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But I'm talking about his immediate presence. I'm talking about that, that, that Shekinah presence. That, that, that time where God comes in a special measure. You see, as we praise him, we begin to sense that presence come. And let me tell you, there's nothing like the presence of God Oh, the presence of God, it just brings such peace. The presence of God brings such blessing. The presence of God brings healing. For His presence was there to heal, it says on Luke 5. Wow, we long for God's presence. And oh, we should praise Him. Praise just draws, attracts, and God comes and He's, He inhabits. He, he says, I love that. I'm going to dwell there. I'm going to be there. That's what praise does. That's what praise does. You know, praise releases the power of God. You know, you see it in 2 Chronicles and chapter 20. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the king of Judah is a king called Jehoshaphat. It's only a small nation and they're surrounded by their enemies. It's not a good time. As you read that chapter, you read how the king just calls the whole nation to gather to seek the face of God and I love it because it's not just the, the, the males or the adults. It's the men, the women, the children. Everyone comes together to seek the face of God. And in that chapter you read in 2 Chronicles 20, how that, that, that in the midst of their seeking and their praying, God speaks through the voice of the prophet. You know, the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Oh, it's good to get a word like that, isn't it? The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. But this, the exciting bit is the next morning in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 21, it says this, the king, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever, so these singers, they go out before the army. Now when they began to sing and to praise, notice what happens. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mansia, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Wow. Do you hear that? When they began to praise. When they began to praise, God's presence came, and we don't know quite what happens, whether those, those armies start to fight each other or whatever, but, or God just sent his angels and sorted them all out. He can decide whatever you want, but the fact is they were defeated. God's presence came. That's the power of praise. That's, that's what happens. Praise isn't just, you know, okay, we'll sing a bit louder. or something. It's not about just responding to music. It's our heart praising and loving and worshiping and adoring God draws the presence of God. It releases the power of God. Hallelujah. If you want one more example, in Acts 16, in the New Testament, Paul and his companion Silas have been to Philippi and they've been sharing the word of God. And, and then they said, a slave go free from demons. You think everyone would be grateful about that, but her masters weren't. And they made a false accusation and Paul and Silas get arrested, get beaten, and then put in, an inner, and put in a prison in stocks. And there they are in a Philippian jail, complete with air conditioning and, and not, no, 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 no. No air conditioning, just a smell of rats and 
cockroaches crawling over you and, and dark and dingy and, and, and uh, think of everything as horrible. It was there and there they are in stocks and it's midnight. And what does it say? It says in Acts 16, verse 25, at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and, you know, this wasn't some quiet songs. They were really singing. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow! The power of praise! Isn't this amazing? And then the jailer thought, that's it. He, you know, if he didn't do his job properly... He'd be taken before a tribunal and executed. So he's about to think, I'm going to just kill myself. This is terrible. But Paul says, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the next thing, the Philippian jailer and his family are getting saved. And have breakfast. And then there's a baptismal service for these new converts. Wow, what a turnaround. Praise releases the power of God. Praise can bring change and transformation to the most Difficult and dark of situations. Hallelujah. It may be you're going through some dark situation, some dark night of the soul. Maybe the last thing you feel like doing is praising. You say, oh no. I just, I just but the very first thing you should do. The Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise. Begin to praise. Begin to praise. I was listening to a speaker recently talked about soaring like eagles. You know, the verse in Isaiah talks about those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. And when the storms come, the eagle doesn't give in to the storm and get beaten down by the storm. But as an eagle uses the storm to go higher and higher. That's a great picture of what our praising can do. When you feel bashed down, you feel hurt, and you have a dark night of the soul, and things are difficult, like Jehoshaphat, or like Paul and Silas, or some other situation, circumstance that seems almost impossible, or is impossible to you and to me. But when we begin to praise, God uses even that difficulty. God uses even that adversity, that storm. And you begin to rise higher and higher and go above it and rise above it. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, let's keep the stones quiet. Let's make sure we're doing the praising. We're doing the praising. We're doing the praising. The enemy would want to try and silence praise because he knows it releases the power of God. But let's determine. Say, I am going to praise. I'm going to rejoice whether well, they got springs or no springs. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. Now, this is not the only time in this week we call Holy Week when, when people try to silence people's praises. Did you know that? Let's look at another example. Example, Matthew 21. Matthew 21. It's an event that takes place almost immediately after the coming into Jerusalem. The Palm Sunday procession. 
So Matthew 21 and verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, listen to this, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They're indignant. And said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Hallelujah. The cleansing of the temple. See, the Gentile court of the temple had been taken over. People traveling into Jerusalem needed to buy, um, get, first of all, they had to get money. They had to change their money from their currency into the temple money. And then they need to buy sacrifices to offer. And so they'd taken over the Gentile court. There was a kind of feeling, well, we don't really, we're not interested in the Gentiles. It wasn't just the Gentile court, it was also where the women and the children would go. And that was taken over by all this other stuff. And Jesus comes in and he cleanses it. He, he throws it all out and says, my, this is my father's house, a house of prayer for the nations. Be made a den of thieves. But then notice what starts to happen. When Jesus makes the place available again, the blind and the lame, you see the sick people are also, also not allowed to go to the temple. You, you're sick, you must have sinned, you're not welcome. But they come and they get healed. Oh, I love it when Jesus is in the place. When Jesus is present, the sick start getting healed. That's exciting. But that wasn't all. Some others who'd been excluded now come. And that's the boys and girls. That's the children. And the children start singing and praising. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that. The boys and girls are singing and praising. And the what do the religious people say? The religious people said they need to be quiet. Do you hear what they're saying? They were indignant. And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Hallelujah. Wow. You know, all of us need to praise, but you know one group we need to be encouraging to praise? And that's the boys and the girls. All the children need to be praising. So often in church life, we can think, oh, perhaps once or twice a year, we'll have the boys and girls do something and they perform and everyone goes, yeah. But no, I don't believe that's what the Lord is saying here. I believe he's saying, hey, no, I want the boys and girls to praise me. I want the guys and girls to rejoice. I want the boys and girls to dance and sing. Hallelujah. Oh, I want, I don't know about you, but I long for church to be like that. Well, space, uh, perhaps we create space because they like more space than us. You know, we're, we're all reserved and, I mean, 
you have difficulty, you have to have good springs anyway, but there's not much space between the chairs. But hey, for boys and girls to come to the front and be singing and praising, hallelujah, and waving their arms and dancing as children do, I tell you, that would be exciting, church. Where children praise, where children pray, where, you know, where they learn to pray and seek God and crowd simply and with faith, hallelujah, and children prophesy. Wow. You should children prophesy? Well, if they're saved and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, then they can speak words from God just as good as anybody. Hallelujah. Wow, I long for that. That's what Jesus talks about here. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Notice the words. You have perfected praise. You want to see perfect praise? It comes from the children. Learn from the children. Hallelujah. You see, how can we get to that point where children are praising like that? It's easy, really. It's give them examples. Do you hear that? If we just come to church and we're all... Lift our... That's lifting our hands. Now, if we are excited and we are praising, if you've got the springs, then... Hey, guess what? That's going to catch on. The boys and girls can say, hey, oh, church is exciting. Hey, can't wait to go. Hallelujah. Wow, we need to have that in our vision, our thinking. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's possible. It's possible. Praise the Lord. You know, I sound old now, but we've got four grandchildren. I know some of you got loads more than that. we got four. But they, they love being in the house of God. You don't have to twist their arm or anything. They love being in the house of God. And, and, and even the youngest, obviously, uh, Lily's only, Lily called her Naomi, Lily's. <laughs> That's another feature of grandparents, you get their names wrong. <laughs> but Lily's only, well, six months, but you know, a month or so ago when I was preaching in Newbridge, wow, you know, some might say it was my glasses reflecting in the light or something, but she was sat on mum's lap. She couldn't take her eyes off me as I just brought the word of God. Wow, it's great when kids can just do that, where they're just absorbed, even at six months old, five months old. Praise the Lord. You know, last Friday, Saturday, we're down visiting our son and Jonathan, his wife Sarah, and, and Harry and Jack. And Jack, he's just six years old. Now, I think he did it, he recorded, and you saw it during lockdown times, you might remember. But Jack, he loves praising God. He loves worshiping God. He loves that, that song, I'll raise a hallelujah. It's a great song. It's, you know, it's one of those sort of, yeah, boom, boom, fighting type songs. You know, in the presence of my enemies, I will sing and I will praise. Praise the Lord. And, and so, Jack, when we're there on the Saturday morning, he gets out his guitar. It's a children's guitar. It's completely out of tune. Even me, who's tone deaf, knows it's out of tune. So it's very much out of tune. And Harry, Jack, we call him Harry. Jack starts to play. He says, Grandpa, I'm going to sing you a song. And there he is, bashing away on this guitar. No clue about, there's no chords or nothing, but even if there were, the thing's out of tune. And he starts to sing, Hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah. Wow. And he just praised. And I joined him with my 
out of tune voice and we kind of praise the Lord. Wow, we've got to encourage the children. Encourage your grandchildren. Encourage your nieces, nephews. Encourage children to praise the Lord. All oh, is love God and express God. And people say, oh, it's a bit fun. Just ignore them. That's what the religious people want to do is silence it. But just praise him, praise him. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, a quarter of an hour later, Jack was a terror, but But that's praise. Praise. Oh, God wants children praising. God wants children praising. Teach them to praise. Give them an example to praise. In children's things, just praise. Let them be expressive in praise. Expressive in prayer. They're not sure what to pray. Then say, teach them how to pray. Let them pray with you. And oh, get them praying and praising. And, and then as they get saved, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, let them encourage them to prophesy. Wow, who knows what God would do. Hallelujah. One final example of where they try to keep praise quiet in this, in this week we call Holy Week. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. Jesus in the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Remember, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead for three days. We love the old King James. It says, by now he stinketh. But that didn't stop the Lord raising it. Lazarus come forth. He had to say Lazarus because otherwise every dead person would have been raised at that moment. Lazarus come forth. He came forth and he just and unbound his grave clothes. And Wow. Praise God. God wants to bring some things out of darkness and death back to life. Anyway, that's another sermon. Right. John 12 verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, hmm, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what he was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with me always. But me, you do not have always. Wow. Mary, she's often found, if you study Mary at the feet of Jesus... And on this occasion, she gets this box of spikenard. It says costly ointment. And then there's a price put on it, 300 denarii. 300 denarii, that's, I'm told, a, a year's salary. This is very, very, very expensive. Whichever way you look at it. But she 
who has spent time at the feet of Jesus, caught something of the heart of God. You know, when you worship, when you spend time at the feet of Jesus, you catch something of the heart of God. Worship isn't just going through the motions of singing a few songs. When we really worship from our heart and worship out of our spirit being, we begin to catch something of the heart of God. We begin to hear from God. We begin to discover the, the heart, the secrets, the purposes of God in a way you don't in any other way. And Mary began to discover the heart of God. And she discovered something that other people had not caught, that, that Jesus was going to die. Even the disciples hadn't really got hold of that at this point. He would die, he'd be buried, and on the third day he'd rise from the dead. And she thought, I, I'm going to anoint him. I've caught this, I've seen this, I can see it. But I'm going to anoint him for his burial. Because no one else would be able to. If you know the, the Easter story, you know that when Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to anoint his body, it was too late. He was risen from the dead. So Mary, here, Mary of Bethany, she's, she's getting in there. She's doing something prophetically. You know, when you worship and touch the heart of God, you, you begin to move into prophetic things. You see things, as I say. And she did that, and she anointed him. This is a very extravagant, sacrificial act of worship. When she did it, she might have started off quietly. But soon that perfume gave her away because the perfume filled the house. You can imagine if it was that expensive. This was, everyone was going to smell that. And the perfume of her worship filled the house. And that's when we get the reaction of Judas on this occasion. He says, what a waste. What a waste. This could have been sold for 300 denarii. This could have been sold for a year's salary. What a waste. Wow, but the Lord says, no. It's not a waste. She's worshipping me. She's caught something of my heart. She's caught something of the purpose of God. She is doing something very special. In other Gospels, it says it will be spoken of her throughout the generations following. We're speaking of it this morning. Worship, extravagant, sacrificial worship unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, this is beautiful. You know, when we begin to give our lives to God, the Bible says we should do that. In, in, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship, says the New International Version. You hear that? Spiritual worship. Giving our lives. Now people say if we give our lives and we just love God and abandon ourselves to God and give ourselves to God. Wow. What do the religious people say? What do the outsiders say? They say, what a waste. Just like Judas Iscariot. What a waste. What a waste of a person's life. What a waste of time. What a waste of money. What a waste of this. What a waste of that. I want to encourage us this morning. Yes, people try and tell us this, what a waste. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you giving your time? Why are you giving your money? Da, 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 da. Let me tell you, when we do it unto the Lord, he says, nah, they've caught my heart. This is well pleasing in my sight. Here it says in John 4, the day now is, is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. For God is seeking such to worship Him. 
Hallelujah. God's looking for worshipers. God's looking for worshipers. He's looking for extravagant, sacrificial worshipers. Hallelujah. Yeah, the world will try and silence you. The religious people will try and silence you. But hey, don't let nothing silence your worship to God. Let the house be filled with the aroma, the fragrance of your worship unto God. That doesn't mean you get a bottle of Chanel or opium or whatever, I don't know, and just pour, I don't mean that type of, I mean the perfume of your worship. Let it be, oh, just brought before God. You know, on this Palm Sunday, it's time to keep the stones quiet. It's time to keep the religious people saying, no, be quiet. Those who say it's a waste, tell them, no. We're going to praise. We're going to rejoice. We're going to oil our springs. And we're going to do some springing. We're going to do some waving. We're going to do some shouting. We're going to do some praising. And when we've done all of that, we're going to do some worshiping. We're going to just give ourselves to God. Hallelujah. I believe that's the message of this day we call Palm Sunday. Praise the Lord. And let the boys and girls join in. Let everybody join in. Psalm 150 says, in the last verse of the Psalms, let everything that hath breath. Have you all died on me? <laughs> let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. Father God, we pray that, Lord God, that we will keep the stone silent. We will praise you. That even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the difficulties, Lord God, we will praise you. We will determine to praise you. That we might rise higher and higher. We won't be pulled down by the storm. We won't be pulled down by the, the, the opposition. By the scorn and that of others. But we will rise in praise. And give ourselves in worship to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen.